oh, we're, oh, we're doing that all again. <laughs> <laughs> we made it through. Yay! Yay! Okay, short synopsis. Everybody made it through. We're all fine and healthy. Still cold outside. And welcome, Joe! Hey! Yay! <laughs> Thanks for having me. Hey, Joe, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Please? I sure can. Uh, so my name's Joe Collins, and I'm the program manager for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Services of Northern Indiana. Uh, where we cover 11 counties up here, and that's a long list, so it's Kosciuszko and Elkhart all the way over to the Illinois state line, that includes Lake and Newton. Wow. Um, we have tons of stuff happening. We, um, we do tons of stuff. Our, our biggest things that we do are supporting the caregivers in our area. Um, and I do get people outside of our area, outside of the state even, um, that come over, that contact us, they find us online. Um, so we have support groups. I have 20 throughout our 11 counties right now, getting ready to add 21. They're just getting nice. waiting, to, waiting to get that time and a day going uh, for them. Wow. Um, resource connections is huge. Uh, community presentations and education, family meetings, memory screenings, quarterly newsletters, and a whole bunch of different programs that we have for caregivers, caregivers only. Uh, we have programs for caregivers and their loved ones living with dementia, and we also have programs for those living with early stage Wow. Dementia. And are you in charge of all of that? Yes. Wow. Do you travel? I do, just just a little. Just a little? Just a little bit. Just over to Illinois State Ooh, Line? Just, wow. Yeah. I'm a Up little in the corner, you know. Yeah, well, guy, I mean, really, this is somebody that we've been promising for months to talk about dementia. So, obviously, after that introduction, we've got He's busy. the right guy. Mm-hmm. And we got him here. Yes, in this fabulous studio. <laughs> I, am, I, I am so busy that I actually get to bring on two more people for me. That's awesome. That's how busy I am. Well, that <laughs> is looking awesome. for new jobs. I know. Right? Like, hmm. We're happy people. <laughs> One is in my western counties, though, so yep, you have to go. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> you know, we deuced in and deuced out so fast. That, that was quick. <laughs> Didn't even have time to type up my resume. <laughs> I was going to say, that was the fastest job interview ever. <laughs> Okay, Joe, I know that um, this this interview has been something that our listeners have been waiting for. We've been promising it for so long. So, And there's so much about dementia that I know we're barely going to you know, scratch the surface in this 20 to 25 minute interview. So, can you tell us, however briefly you are able to, <laughs> what is dementia? Mm, so, dementia, uh, <clears throat> I like to use a an example so dementia is actually an umbrella term so i usually say when i'm doing my education pieces it's you know it's like you take the word cancer and you have cancer and then you have all these different types of cancer um and now you have dementia and you have all these different types of dementia as well Mm -hmm. so dementia is not the disease itself rather the symptoms that make up each different dementia Right. right Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense because dementia, the word dementia is a bunch of symptoms that lead you to an actual diagnosis. Yes. Yeah. Hey, look at me being smart over here. And that's probably one of my biggest questions that I get asked too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because dementia is an umbrella. You can't just say you have dementia. 
right. You, it's like it. Well, honestly, there you could, but it, which one is it? I have dementia. I have definite dementia. <laughs> I get a lot of. Um, that's the diagnosis that doctors give is dementia, and they don't do specifics. I mean, it's it can be helpful for having a specific type if. You know, you want to look at what else is going on in their life health-wise. Right. And that way you can maybe get a, a, an idea of how it might progress and things like that, timelines and things like that as well. Everybody wants to know timelines. Like, I know that a lot of people in my building, if their parent or loved one gets a dementia diagnosis, they're basically asking me, how long do I have with them? Right. You guys could have a lifetime with them. Just because they have dementia does not mean you're losing somebody. Right. You just have to react to them in a different way. Yes. Right? Very much so. You just, you don't lose anybody. That's Never. Right. You know. Right. They might they might not remember who you are, but they def their their heart does. I know that I've seen that a yeah. lot of times when, you know, a mother will look at their daughter and just touch her face and be like, I, I know you. I don't I can't place you, but I know you and that is that's not losing them. There's, right. That heart is still there. That love is still there. There's just not as many connections. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and with all of the different dementia diagnoses, each one has different progression, different symptoms. So there's a lot. Yeah. There's. Uh, I can't imagine. I know everything that's rolling around up in my head. I can't imagine everything rolling around in his. Yeah. Well, then, then you take... Um, one of my coworkers, Patty, that does uh, more, she does a lot of professional certifications and mm -hmm. trainings and things mm -hmm. too, but she does community um, education as well for caregivers. Um, she's just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, it's just amazing. Um, you know, she does a, 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 an online webinar every Monday that's live, and she's has, I'm, I'm quite certain, close to 60, if not a little more than 60 different topics on dementia. We will definitely wow. have that link on yeah. our on this podcast. You guys can join that live. Uh, it's recorded, I'm assuming, so they're on the it website is. also. Um, okay. So is what happens is um, they can contact us or go to our website. Um, and then from there, they can contact Patty. They can call in or they can email her. And then she just sends the link out. Personally, each one. Everybody gets a link. Oh, uh, yeah. you get a link. You get a link. She, I get a link. Woo! She has people from literally all over the world. So oh, she's Dublin, your Singapore. I'm um, yeah. This all over. Yeah. I That's I awesome. love that. I she's mean, it's great. such it. The whole alls of Northwest mm -hmm. Northwestern Indiana yeah. is just a gift to our whole area because it's so needed. I mean, can we make your big announcement, Sean? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'm so excited. So, Sean is, so memory care is so needed. It's so needed. Yes. So, Sean? So, we are going to get started on a memory care unit here in February. Ah! Yay! So awesome. And it's so could be needed. next week. Yeah, could be, yeah. I mean, I'm going to tell you, we're probably breaking ground as we speak in, in podcast time. Let's be real, okay? Because I have a horrible, horrible procrastination problem. So. so we're excited to be able to offer more services and work more closely with ALZNI. Um, so that's just super exciting. Yeah. And my memory care up at Brentwood and Niles is is always full. I mean, and we love being able to give that service, but it's not just a service. It's also a relief. 
and um, a safety issue and all of that for the families. So when you make that decision to put your loved one, and it doesn't just because I'd like to preface that with just because you have a diagnosis of dementia does not mean you're immediately ready to go to memory care, right? Right. So tell us a little bit about the signs. Let's let's go back there. Okay. Um, signs can vary depending on what type of dementia you're looking at. Um, a lot of times people, when they call us, they, they talk about signs of short-term memory loss. Um, even be uh, personality changes, behavioral changes. Um, I always tell people when they see big changes that are making an impact on their daily life, get to the doctor. What does that look like? Like when they're when big changes make an impact on their like um, they're like not eating properly or not dressing themselves. Is that kind of where you're? Early on, uh, could be eating. That could possibly be an early sign. Um, you might see where the mail is piling up on the table mm -hmm. and bills aren't getting paid. Um, maybe someone reclusing and staying home more often rather than going out and socializing and doing things that they used to love to do all the time. Uh, maybe not driving enough or driving as much or possibly even getting lost um, in some places, even familiar places. Um, even maybe hiding things um, there's because there's a little bit of uh, thinking of almost like a paranoia I would that say might come paranoia that it. comes yeah yeah you know some you might take my glasses and set them down and I don't remember where they set I set them down but to someone living with dementia they might think someone stole it right you know their their kid or their grandkid mm -hmm. or somebody and like oh they're not allowed back in my house they stole my glasses you know Oh. Um, so, I mean, so you, those are, those can be some earlier, earlier ones for that. But again, a lot of times it can, it can, it can differ. Um, it could be some hallucinations. Um, it could be some sleep problems for other dementias. Um, yeah, it's, it can, it can really vary for that early on, uh, but it can. Some of the main points you're looking for is like that paranoia or accusations or just like fearful that somebody's going to find out that quote unquote something's wrong. Yeah. 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 Well, Probably I think, that personality change. Mm -hmm. I think you can, you can, they, these, the red people living with dementia, mm -hmm. they can only hide it for so long, right? Like they start to recognize that maybe they're being forgetful, but they aren't going to tell you about it. Right. And Alicia's wife, or I'm Alicia's wife. Oh my gosh. Alicia's, I was say who? <laughs> Alicia's grandma is going, we're starting to go through some of this with her grandma right now. And we were just down and saw her in February of last year. And we went to her, she still works. She's a hostess. And she was introducing us to some people that she works with. And one of the people, it was, and this is, this is my best friend here at work. Well, her best friend here at work because she couldn't remember her name. Right. And, to, you know, to just anybody, mm -hmm. it was probably not even caught. Right. But to somebody, you know, like us who yeah. work in healthcare, who work with dementia a lot, it's like, oh boy. And my father-in-law lives with her and it was going to be a temporary thing. And now all of a sudden, here we are. So... 
we're not looking at moving out from mom's house now. You know, yeah. like, he's looking at staying there. Right. So, you know, everybody makes sacrifices, and that's why you have a lot of these caregiver groups. Yep. And, the and support I mean, groups. When it comes to caregivers, uh, most caregivers, it's a fairly high percentage of that get kind of thrust into the caregiving position. And of that group, most of them are spouses. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, having the support groups, you know, our, our support groups, all of our facilitators are trained by us. So they know how to really facilitate a group, but I mean, <laughs> wow, easy, Joe. easy to said. Yeah, that, really, was, that really, was amazing. Really dive into that. Facilitators be facilitating all day long. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we have, we have that, uh, we, we give them that knowledge of identifying personalities and helping the group stay on, on track and not having it one, one side or the other or, and allowing people to be, um, accepting of other views and open as comfortable as they can be. Um, it, it's each group is different. It's really a, each facilitator or facilitators that are, are running those groups. Um, they're all their own person. So, you know, if, if we're training someone from a senior community in the area, I always say, you know what, when you're, when you're leading, why don't you just go ahead and take your hat off your work hat off and I want you to be you. Right. You know, and, and it's so nice because it's, it's personal. I mean, our, our, our caregivers want personal. They want to know what they want to, they want to feel that they're not alone. And I think that's one of the biggest benefits of support groups, having other people going through a similar journey, knowing that they're not alone. And then just that camaraderie, making new friends. Now you have all these different contacts of they can call on, they can text, whatever they want. Right. Um, yeah. But I see them a lot of a lot of our members uh, stay in contact with each other outside of our groups because the groups are once a month. Well, that support so. is so important. Like I, another reason that we started this podcast, as in I roped Sean into it. Um, was because it's so needed that people don't feel like they're alone and these services are there for them. And we just have such a heart for our caregivers. Not only those are care, not the caregivers, but also the caregivers because self-care is so important and you have to feel connected that somebody understands what you're going through. Yes. That's really, and it, I just thank you for everything that you guys do over there. It's so important. Are there certain diagnostic testing that somebody should ask for when they're going to the doctor or just say, hey, mom's really forgetful. What can we get started doing? Uh, So when it comes to going to the doctor and looking at different testing, there is a very long list of things that they can and could possibly do. And that's probably before you might take someone to say like, you know, the Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic, somewhere that's a larger entity that really has a lot more specialization um, with dementia. But, you know, you're looking at, they're, they're going to go over family histories. Um, they're going to look at social history. They'll, you know, look at things that um, medical history and they'll talk to them. They'll talk to the family members individually. When you get into other tests, there's different memory screenings. Um, that can happen. Some screenings uh, help kind of help with that baseline as to where they may be starting. 
And then, and then there's other uh, uh, memory assessments that can kind of help follow along the uh, progression of the dementia. Um, but I mean, they, you know, you have your CT scans that can, that can be uh, done, your MRIs, um, and even in, in specific situations, you might even see a, like a spinal tap to where they do like that, um, the draw where mm -hmm. to find the plaques yeah. are in there. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, a lot of the, the MRIs can see that too sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but it really kind of depends on what the family's looking for. You know, and when I then when they're asking me about that, I say, well, okay, so you know what's going on. We're pretty we're pretty into the into what's happening. It's been however x amount amount of years, and you've had a diagnosis of it. And do you do you want to do something beyond what you're already doing, or are you just wanting to are are you wanting help with support and help helping manage the journey going forward? Right. And that kind of helps put it in perspective as to, all right, well, do I want to do all these tests or do I not? Right. Like what good is it going to do to put your loved one through some of these exactly. tests if you're not going to do anything about it? It's just more confirmation for you, yeah. right? Yeah. And, or finding out exactly which dementia they have, whether it's Alzheimer's or vascular or any, like, yeah. it, is it real? I was going to ask, is it really necessary to find out exactly which one your loved one has? Is that necessary or is it just... Does dementia umbrella an okay thing to carry around? I would say in the beginning, it's it's important to see what exactly is causing the memory loss and these different symptoms that at least look like dementia, because you want to make sure that it's not something that can be reversible. You know, right. is it medication errors, side effects? Is it infections? Is it Depression right. is, I mean, there's all these different things that can be happening that can either be, uh, be, um, yeah, that word that I want, um, helped. Yeah, I can't think of that word. Anyway. Treated? Yes, yeah, treated. Thanks. Yeah. Thank no, I am here for you, yeah. Joe. You should see me in a presentation. <laughs> like, all right, who's got my word for me? But yeah, so you get it treated and maybe it can be maintained or, you know, right. kind of reversed. So, right. so it is important to go a little deep into it, what it is to make sure, you know, yes. that you're, you're treating the right cause. I, I think so. And especially, you know, so obviously dementia has a stigma. And one of the things that we've really been trying to do lately is get that stigma out of here. You know, um, I, I, I think that as we get... The stigma off of dementia, people will start going to the doctor sooner. Right. It's like I go back to cancer. You know, if you have if you have health issues happening, you know, if you're whatever you're having symptoms of flu, you know, the flu, or you're having symptoms of like breast cancer, you feel a lump or something. Yeah, you're gonna exactly. go to the doctor. Right. You know, you have, you have you have that going on, and well, now if we can get rid of that stigma of dementia and be like, oh man, I'm I'm starting to forget more things than I than I would like to. I'm going to go to the doctor and see what's going on. Because you know, or something. Tell me if I'm wrong, because I've been known to say the wrong thing on this podcast. <laughs> Shocking, I know, right? If you find early onset dementia, mm -hmm. can medication keep that person with you a little bit longer because they found it early? Um, some some of the medications can. 
can help kind of slow the progression of it. It, just, it depends yeah. on the person too. Mm -hmm. Some of them don't do anything. I've had families come in and even early on say, yeah, that That's didn't do anything. Um, um, yeah. But sometimes it does. And we're starting with a primary care doctor initially. Yeah. And then, you know, once they kind of do a round of tests, about a test, they may send you further if you're wanting further diagnosis, right. like and if neurology. That's just maybe not their specialty too. Right. Like, yeah, they're not, there's something going on with the test that I provided. I'm going to send you to someone else that I think will help, help you more. And just, just a random question, just in case like the primary care doctor or something is just something's going on there. Can a family member call a neurologist themselves to make an appointment? Do you, I mean, is that possible? Um, I... I'm getting the look. I'm getting the look. I finally got it. Sometimes it's going to be insurance driven yeah. Yeah. where insurances are going to require that your primary care refers you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes the neurology office or specialty office themselves requires that yeah. referral mm -hmm. from your primary. So I think it's going to be dependent on the office right. and your insurance. Yeah. And I, and I usually, I usually uh, encourage people to ask their primary doctor just that. I mean, cause just like you said, most of the time you're, you're gonna see that need of a referral, yeah. Like every other specialist, mm -hmm. right? I'm just for the sake of our listeners, because some yeah. people are not overly happy with their primary, so they're like, "Can yeah. I just skip that? Can I just?" Well, you know? <laughs> I mean, I even had a, um, a conversation today with a family, and um, they're seeing a, a neurologist office, and you know, there's some there's some things there that there's a lot of moving parts that I see that I'm. I was even a little confused with on what they were exactly. what they were saying yeah. doing, and they said, "Well, should I get a second opinion?" And I said, "I that might be a good idea." So you actually know exactly what's happening, um, especially with that lack of communication back and forth. Right. And so it was more of he asked me the same question: Do I need a referral to there, or can I just call them? Mm -hmm. I said I would either call your primary to see what they say, or call the clinic that you want to go to and say, "Hey, what's the referral process?" Yeah, I have have, I have premised so much advice. Like I'm not a doctor, however, right? You're like, oh, man. why? Yeah, I I can't tell you how many times I've had to. Like I'm not a private. I'm not a doctor, but I play like, one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could do a podcast all day long. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much. This has been such good information for our listeners. I know, again, we haven't even scratched the surface, but the sur surface. surface, that was a tongue twister. I See, you forget words. I just can't speak. That's okay. And on the podcast. I God, put them back. help us all. So thank you so much. I cannot wait for our next segment where we're kind of dive a little bit more into dementia and memory care and all that good stuff. So, so much information. Oh my gosh. Dementia is it, uh, such, such an important in, piece of information to get out there. Yes. So, but we can talk about it all day. We could. <laughs> we could. But again, this is a small, right. bite sized podcast. So, but now they know you exist, they know that Alzheimer's and Northwest Indiana exist. So, till next time, Joe, thank you so awesome. much. Thank you so much for having me. And as always, if you have any comments, questions, or critiques, you can email us at caregiverschenanigans at gmail.com. And if you would like to share our little podcast with somebody and believe me, we would love you to, 